Happy Father's Day to you. I got on my special Father's Day tie. Glory to God. If you know about it, that's awesome. If you don't, let me tell you about it. There's a little gray spot right here on that tie. That's a little cloud. And this little black spot right here, if you can't see it, uh, that's a little skunk. <laughs> I'll let you figure out the rest. <laughs> This is my family's joke to me, and uh, we went into a store one day. We were having some time. We went into a store, and, you know, uh, my my kids are still at the age where, you know, if you say, you know, Vladimir Putin or or anything with the number two, they laugh hysterically still, and uh, they saw this tie, and, and they started laughing. I was like, that's pretty funny. I said, I'd wear that if they got it. Well, I forgot about that. And then all of a sudden for Father's Day, guess what I got? The skunk tie. Amen. So, but see, you can't see it if you're far away. It just looks pretty purple. Amen. <laughs> Can you see it from right there? Can you see the skunks? That's funny. Anyway, so uh, I enjoy it. I like it. So look, they're laughing now just because I'm talking about it. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, we just welcome you to Father's Day. And, um, you know, all week long I had, uh, I was just seeking the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to preach on on Father's Day? It's a special day. It's, you know, um, certain days you know that you'll have guests that are here and you'll have different things that are going on. You want to, you, you know, you just seek the Lord. You want it to be good. I want it to be good all the time. But then there's special days where you really just want it to be over the top and um, Father's Day and Mother's Day, those are days like that. And, um, you know, I look forward to them. But I also want to make sure that I hear from the Lord specifically, not just what I want to preach or what the world expects us to preach. Lord, what do you want to preach? And so it was funny because I didn't have a message all week. You know, there was one thing that kept sticking out to me, but I, ne I didn't really have a Father's Day, quote unquote, message like that. And even as Nicole was leaving the house this morning, I said, if you'd like to pray, you know, for me to have a message this morning, that'd be great. And that was at like, you know, 830, you know, <laughs> this morning and uh, prayers at nine. And I was going, you know, if, if the Lord would give me a message for this morning, that'd be awesome, you know. And, uh, you know, y'all y'all laugh and you just pass that off. But you're not the one that's got to stand up here on Father's Day and give a message, you know. And feel the pressure of that. And used to it did pressure me a lot. And I know pastors today that it still pressures a lot. But now I'm just like, he'll give me what I need right on time. I trust him. I know he's a supplier. He provides, right. And um, I did have something that just, it really was on my heart all week. And that was finishing the healing. And uh, so I'm continuing after they stepped out of the door. I was just seeking the Lord and praying in the Holy, Holy Ghost. I said, what do you want to do today, Lord? I've already asked you, but I'm asking you again because, well, you know, we're getting close. And um, I was like, I kind of need to know at some point if I'm going to lead you know, the church this morning, I kind of need to know. And um, so he said, he said, I want you to finish that healing. I was like, really? On Father's Day. Okay, Awesome. He said, don't you realize that when you see healing, this is why the devil fights it a lot. You see the character and the heart of a loving father. When you see a God who is a healer, you really see the heart of a father. 
And this is what he, this is what the devil's always after. When you know, when when the devil uh, tries to tell somebody that God is using a sickness to teach them something. Well, we already covered that at one point where we said, look. There is a teacher, and it's not sickness, it's the Holy Ghost. In other words, you know, he literally just tried to equate sickness and the Holy Spirit. Curse and holy. He's mixing the two. That's what's going on. He's trying to bring down the character and nature of God when he talks like that. And, uh, but when, when you see that, you got to think about that. In other words, okay, I want, I want, uh, you know, Rachel to learn something, right? So I'm going to come over here. Listen, you're going to learn something. Come here. Come here. I'm tired of telling you this. I'm, I'm tired of telling you this. So in order to teach you something, I'm going to break your arm to teach you something. Well, if I did that, first of all, I'd get thrown in jail. Why? And I'd also, that's child abuse. And yet that's what the devil's tried to get our father to be in people's eyes. Thank you. She's like, yep, let me go sit down. <laughs> and, uh, that's good stuff. Right. It is. But see, that's exactly what people say that the father's up to. There's somebody that's anointed to be the teacher, but it is not sickness. It never says that in there. Yeah. Now, listen, I'm not going to say that God won't take a situation and teach you something in the middle of it. But that doesn't mean that he put it on you or is holding you in that place. He's not holding you in that place to teach you something. You can learn that lesson by the Holy Spirit without ever being in that place. That's not God's way. People have taken stuff and they've taken one truth of God that God will turn everything and work it together for good, which is a very big positive, and turned it into a negative. That's the way the devil does. He takes scripture and twists it. And now all of a sudden, we don't have a good, good father. We, we have a father who breaks arms to get a point across. He's not the mafia. Come on, that's good. <laughs> if you don't learn this dog, come here. I got a baseball bat and some kneecaps that need to meet. You know, hey. hey that's not God. I mean, and and look, and even then, what did they try to do? Well, let's name the Don a godfather. (laughs) Do you see the deception? I mean, people just laugh at that, but these little things, these subconscious things, they add up. And now you've got a whole society that believes that God put sickness on somebody to heal. And he keeps them in that sickness until they learn something. Well, I'll teach you. There, There is not a father in here whose child was sick and you could do something about it that would keep them in that sickness. There's not one in here. And yet we attribute those things to God. So when we see the heart of a father to heal, to heal us, when we see him as a healer, we can then attribute that same character in nature to every area of his life to protect us, to give to us, to prosper us, to provide in that way, to restore us. Right? But it's also this, is when you see the Lord, I've found this, and, you know, and there's, there's different ways to look at this, but I always am really blessed when God cares about the little things. Because when God cares about the little things, it, it makes the big things easy for me to believe in. That's just the way I think, right? And so if, if he does something that nobody knows about, just me and him, let me give you a couple examples of that. So this past Christmas, I think it was, 
Um, no, it was the one before, I believe. Yeah, it was the one before. Um, we were having Christmas at home. And, uh, you know, anytime we give gifts, we always seek the Holy Ghost. And we always just check, you know, all right, Lord, what do you want us to do, you know? And so um, Nicole seeks after she buys. There's two particular presents. There were, there were several things, but these two really stuck out to me. And uh, she buys two presents. These are presents that probably aren't the most expensive. The, you know, uh, she likes buying big stuff and she likes giving big gifts and, you know, and um, she, she just likes doing that. And so these gifts, I imagine to her, she was going, well, this is nice, but it's not the big thing. Listen, I don't remember what the big thing was because of what I'm about to tell you. I remember these. These were the big thing. didn't matter how much. She heard from the Holy Ghost. So I opened up a watch. Uh, I opened up a present, and one of them was a watch. And it was a Swatch watch, right? Now, that may not mean something to a 20-something-year-old. But to me, I remember a time when a Swatch watch was the stuff. And if you had one, whoo, you were something else, right? I could, and here's the thing. I never had one. I never had one, and I always wanted one. I'd even see pictures through the years of a Swatch watch. I'd have this, like, teenage feeling come back, like, I want one of those. I never had one of those, right? I open up this watch, and I like it because it was a different kind of shade of blue. It's really light, you know, and everything. It's not like the most expensive kind of watch. But then I open it up. She says, yeah, it's a Swatch, a Swatch watch. And I didn't even know they made watches anymore. I didn't even know. Like, I, this was new to me. I, did, this was, I was just figuring this out. And I'm sitting there like, oh, <laughs> I got a Swatch watch, right? And it was like this, this completion of this thing that the Lord had, I had desired when I was a kid. Now, she didn't know that deep of a desire. She just knew that when I found out they were in business, that it was neat, that they were neat, you know. All of a sudden, she hears from the Holy Ghost and gives this thing. It's one of my favorites. I mean, one of my absolute favorites. I love wearing it. And it's one I remember. That same Christmas, like the next present, or this was the one before, I open up this funny-looking, family-shaped box and everything, just kind of weird. I had no idea what it was. And I open it up, and it was a uh, Swiss Army knife. Again, like, I, you know, how did she do this? Again, this is something I've wanted all my life and never had. It was funny when we had the ELT meeting last year, planning for 2018. We started talking about how we didn't have things and everything. And, uh, and all the ELT members were basically like, yeah, I used to have one of these. And I used to have one of these. And Nicole and I were sitting like, we were the poor people, apparently, because we didn't have any of that stuff. You remember that? that? You remember having those? We're like, we didn't have any of that stuff, you know. And uh, we didn't realize. I mean, we, I knew we weren't rolling in it, but... Both of us were sitting there like, man, we did well, a Swatch watch, a Swiss Army knife. It's not a big thing. But for me, it was. Like, it's making me want to cry now. Because here's the thing. God knew what was deep on the inside of my heart. God knew. Something that was written way, way down deep. 
And this was not just Nicole giving me a great present. This was her and God partnering up to say, I see the depths of your heart. I even see the small things that mean a lot to you that might not mean anything else to anybody else, but it means something to you. And this is, this is the statement that always follows that in my heart, like I hear it in my spirit. And if I care about you on that level, imagine how easy it is for me to give the big stuff to you. I always want you to have that if I care about you on the small things. Oh, man. Man. The other day, uh, this, I, I got three stories about watches, apparently. Nice socks, dude. <laughs> Let me see those. Those are cool. <laughs> That's neat. Are those Father's Day socks? Awesome. <laughs> so they like tell a story. <laughs> um, so the other day, uh, I told Nicole, I said, you know, most people know I like watches and stuff like that. And that's something the Lord brought up to me. I didn't even realize I did until he told me. And then I was like, he said, uh, he asked me a few years ago, think about this. I want to talk about that, that heart of the father and then relate it to healing. But think about this. He says, what do you like? And he asked me two questions. What do you like to do? And what do you like to have? Right? What are things that you like to have? Well, we had been so busy building the church. The reason why he was having to ask me is because I hadn't even thought about it. He asked me that question and I went. I have no idea. I don't know. I mean, he had to. I, and, and I was like, you know, I felt like, you know, the valley of dry bones. You know, Lord, you know. You know, you know what I like because he does. He knows more. I was like, help me. I'm not even sure what I like anymore because I've been working and paying attention. That's why I wasn't having any fun working too. It was because I'd been paying so much attention to that. I wasn't, I wasn't having any fun in anything. I was getting some stuff done, but I, it, that's not the way. The Lord doesn't want you just toiling. That's the curse. And that's what I was doing. That's why he was asking me the question. He was waking up some stuff inside of me. He's waking up some stuff. It is. And so then he says, what do you like? I was like, I don't know. He helped me see some things that I like to do. But then one of the things that he did, he said, what do you like, you know, like to receive? I was like, Lord, help me. I'm, I don't know what I like. You know, if, if somebody gave something to me, I, it was hard for me to answer that question. What do you want? Most of the stuff I wanted was always the big, you know, big ticket stuff. It's generally because most of the little stuff, you know. If I needed something, I'd go get it or whatever, you know, I just, but I didn't know what I just liked. And he said, he said, you like watches. And I went, I do like watches. <laughs> I do like watches. He said, it's not just a having it thing. He said, you think that it's almost like a piece of artwork on your, on your wrist. I'm like, I do think it's a piece of artwork on your wrist. This is true. I like watching it. I like looking at them, you know, watching watches. I like looking at them. I like seeing them. I like seeing what people have and what they enjoy and their different styles and taste. And it's amazing how much different styles and taste can be on a watch. So I, I like it. I was like, I do. Well, we, we talked about that several years ago. And then she started, you know, giving me some more of those. That's part of the reason why the swatch. Well, the other day, well, here's the other thing now. What's, 
Uh, what do I like to do? I like to give them away. You know, she, she knows. Don't give me something that you don't want me to give away. Because if the Lord tells me to give it away, I'm giving it. I don't care what it is. And so uh, I told her just the other day, I real, the Lord had kind of prompted me to go in, fix your Amazon wish list, and go through. Well, I took like three hours, two or three hours. I went through hundreds of watches, and I put a bunch of them on there and everything. And I did. <laughs> and uh, I think there, how many did we count I had? Over 50. It was over 50 that I put on there, yeah. Anyway, and why? Because I liked looking at them. It was just fun to do. It was just fun. Anyway, so one of the things that I realized was I had given away all of my silver watches or with a light face, right? I'd given them all away. And I told her, I was like, at some point I need to get a silver watch because I don't have one. And I, that with a light face, I've given them all away generally because I like them the most. And so I'll give away what I like the most because that's the most fun. It's more blessed to give than receive. So I, I'd give those away, you know. And uh, so the other day, uh, we went down to uh, see uh, Pastor Tracy, and uh, all of a sudden he says, here, I want you to have this. And so he gives me a silver watch with a white face, and, uh, and it's pretty. But see, nobody knew that except for Nicole and I. So who else knew that? The Lord. He cares about those things. And see, you don't receive on that level until you know him as that. When you start to know him as that, then faith begins where the will of God is known. You start to know him as a father that loves you on that level. All of a sudden, you'll start to receive on that level. Receive more than you have in the past. So you can say, Lord, you are that kind. You are that way. You are that way. And then all of a sudden, you will start to have faith that he will do things on that level. And guess what? You'll start to receive on that level because believing you receive. That's the scripture. You don't receive any other way but through believing. Believing you receive. Believing you receive. Even Jesus. Do you realize you don't even accept Jesus unless you believe? So your, your thoughts towards the Father... And your knowledge of him has everything to do with what you receive. So when you start seeing him as a father that cares about not only the big things in your life, but even the small things in your life, all of a sudden you open up the, the doors and windows of heaven to receive on that level. A lot of people don't receive the things that they're supposed to because they don't know the father that way. They don't understand. But when you start to see him as that, you'll start to receive on that level. I'll give you one more watch story. Um, I like that I have watch stories. Amen. Amen. And uh, so this was really kind of kicking that off. It was right after I had, um, right after I had figured this out that the Holy Ghost had helped me. And uh, I went on and we used, we found a while back, used the Amazon wish list and, you know, put stuff on there because what would happen was throughout the year, I'd think, oh, I like this, but I probably wouldn't buy it for myself, you know. And then when somebody says, what do you want? I'm like, here's a link. You can go see all the stuff. You know, it makes it so much easier to do. And the, they're not asking me then, what do you want? I, I don't know what I want now. Don't put pressure on me. I don't know. You know, it, it just solves all that. And so we started doing that a few years ago. And um, so I put on... This was right before Christmas, right when we figured that out. And so I put on there like 20 watches or something like that. And all of them 
uh, were nice. But there was one of them on there that didn't cost a whole lot of money, but it had my attention. It had my attention. And so I went, I went, we got right up to Christmas. And what I found myself thinking before Christmas was, you know, I really wish that Nicole got that one for me. Right? I didn't tell anybody that. I didn't even speak that. I just thought it. I just thought that. And then Christmas came. By the time I put all the stuff on the list, she'd already had all the presents bought anyway, so she didn't get that watch. And uh, <laughs> I don't know why you didn't pick that up. No, it was so watch the rest of the story. So she didn't get the watch. But this is the thing. So come Christmas, I actually was thinking, man, I wish I would have gotten that watch. Well, there was no reason for me to expect that she would have gotten that watch. I mean, it was just, but I found myself longing for that particular one. There was something about it I liked, something special on it. I didn't say that. I didn't tell it to her. I didn't speak it to anybody. It was nothing more than a thought in my mind. So two weeks after Christmas, I found myself in those two weeks. I went to a, uh, um, a minister's conference at uh, KCM. I'm sitting there and I found myself in between Christmas and that period of time going, I really wish I would have gotten that watch. I'm like, I've thought about it multiple times. I never said it. I just thought it. I never spoke it to her. I never said it to anybody. I just thought that was something about that particular watch just got my attention. I just like it. I just like it. Well, here's the thing. I get there. One of my best friends, he's sitting there and he, and he comes up and uh, guess what he's wearing? That watch. It was the exact one except his that he had was the next level up. It was an upgrade. But pretty much the exact same watch, but better. And, and I went, oh, man, I like your watch. He's like, yeah, yeah, I just got this for Christmas. And, and I said, yeah, I know what kind it is. I called the name of it. I called, I called out what it was. I knew how much it cost. I knew it was the upgrade and everything. Because why? Because I liked it. And uh, I was like, that's awesome. It looks great, you know, everything. And uh, the next day, he brought it to me and said, God told me to give this to you. Man, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> you know, why? Because nobody knew except for God that that was something. I told them the story. I had that watch for several years. I just gave it away uh, because the Lord told me to give it to, to somebody. And actually that story really blessed them. But here's the thing that was so neat about it was every time I would wear that watch, I would remember God sees the little things in my heart. He loves me and cares for me on that level. Every time I'd see it, every time I'd think about that, I wouldn't even be wearing it. I'd just think about that watch and think about how much God loves me. Well, is that me being prideful? No, that's me actually giving God glory. That's not me who's, who's operating in that love. It's Him. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for that. I, every time I'd wear it, I, I can't tell you how many times I'd be getting ready for the day, getting ready to go out into my work day, and the Lord would say, wear that watch. Wear that one. Okay. I generally, I began to understand what that meant. That means I'm going to run into somebody today who goes, ooh, nice watch, and I'm supposed to tell them the story about that watch, how much God loves them. 
happened every time. Every time. And then all of a sudden he tells me to give it away and I get to tell it was to another pastor. And, and this was the thing. This is what the pastor had just told his wife. Just told his wife. This, one, this watch was uh, brown, like a brownish watch. He said, I really need a brown watch. I don't have one. And all, right then is when uh, the Lord told me to give it away. And I finally talked to him afterwards. He said, he said, that was exactly what I needed. It's beautiful. And then I told him the story. He was like, and now the story's great too. So I can tell the story when I'm wearing it. I'm like, amen. Amen. It's awesome. God loves to bless you. The angel said, I bring you good news of great joy. Peace on earth, good will towards men with whom he's pleased. This is the character and nature of God. And that's his character and nature in healing. As we finish up the healing series, it's important to recognize that healing has everything to do with his character and his nature and how much he loves you. He has everything to do with that, with his character and nature and how much he loves you. He loves you. He loves you, 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 he loves you. And if he loves you, how in the world would he want to leave you sick? The only way that you stay sick is because you don't know how much he loves you. Now, some people are going to say, well, I don't like that. You're telling me that I'm lesser? No, I'm just telling you the same thing the Word does. My people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. My people are in captivity for a lack of understanding. The reason why we stay in that place is we don't have it. We might have it in our head, but we don't have it in our heart yet. And if we can get that down into our heart and see him as a healer who cares about the little things and the big things, all of a sudden your spirit is designed to do something with that. And you let your spirit start to produce the faith to believe God for who he is and what he is. Amen? So in this, you know, you can see on your handout uh, that... It says at the bottom, see the full list at bclife.org slash notes. Because I'm going to go through a list of scriptures talking about healing and what God says about it. And I can't get them all on that paper, but I wanted to give you something to refer back to as well. This is a list that Keith Moore came up with. And you remember when we talked about faith begins where the will of God is known. Right? What is faith? It's belief. It's belief, right? Uh, Come here, uh, David and Chris. Chris, stand over there about... All right, David, come here. I need a wall, so you're my wall. Amen. Now, I'm standing behind David. I cannot see Chris. Now, Chris, I want you to make some... Uh, some symbol, some geometric symbol with your hands. You got it? All right. Now, if my job is to believe that I know, I believe whatever uh, symbol it is that he's making, can I believe if I don't know his character or his nature? I don't know if his character or nature is a triangle or a circle or a square or a rectangle. I don't know what 
what he is if I don't know his character and nature. And if I can't see him, if I can't see what he's doing, it'll be hard for me to believe what he's up to. So right now, I can't see him. I don't know what he's doing or what his nature is. So I can't believe in him to be that. Now, let me look. All right, so he's making a heart. Awesome. That was terrific. Good job. He's making a heart. If I can't see that he's the heart kind of person, then it's hard for me to believe. Faith begins when, where the will of God is known. So once I see that he's the heart kind of person, even if the wall is in the way, I can believe that he's that heart kind of person. So even if there's non-heart stuff in between he and I, I still know he's the heart kind of person. Why? Because faith can believe that he'll be still given the heart symbol whether or not I can see him or not. Faith begins where the will of God is known. In other words, can I believe if I don't know him? No. Can I believe if I don't know his character or nature? No. So what's, what's important? That we start to know his character and nature. That we find out what he said. We find out what the word has said about the Lord. I can't start to believe if I don't know that he is a healer. If I don't know what he said. What if, what if I had no record that he ever was a heart person? Then it'd be hard. You heard what I said back here. I said triangles, squares, circles. I was going with everything that was in my mind, geometric shapes. That was such a perfect example. Chris was being led by the Holy Ghost. But see, unless I step out here and see it, then I couldn't believe what he was doing. I couldn't even imagine it. You see? It was hard for me even to imagine that he was breaking outside of the box. You see? It was hard for me to imagine that there was something beyond my level of thinking until I stepped out and I saw the testimony of who he is. Faith begins where the will of God is known. If I don't know that I know that I know that God is a healer, I'm not going to have faith for it. So then it becomes very important not to listen to what everybody says about God. But what does God say about God? Thank you guys. What does God say about God? If I didn't know what symbol he was holding up, then it's hard for me to believe that he's holding up that symbol when I can't see it. I've got to know him. Faith begins where the will of God is known. So what, one of the things here, it says God's will to heal. Uh, the other day I was having a conversation. I told you a little bit about it. It was a lady uh, that was, I mean, just mad at me because I said God was a healer. And the reason she was mad at me is because she's tried to believe before. But one of the things that she said to me was this. She's, I said, does God heal every time? She says, well, no. I'm like, that's why you didn't receive it. It's pretty simple. 
Because right now you just told me where your knowledge is of God. If God is not a healer 100% all the time, then you've got no faith to believe in him to do that. Because faith begins where the will of God is known. And you may have scriptures that say that, but you just told me that in your heart you don't really believe that he'll do it every time. This, the guy comes up to Jesus and says, if, if you'll hear, heal me, he goes, Jesus says, if I will, be healed. <laughs> I will. I will. Because that's his nature. That's his character. That's who he is. He's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that is healing you. The Lord that heals. So Keith said this, and, and what he wrote was, was so good. He said, how do we know whether it's God's will to heal us or not? It makes little difference what others say about it. What did God say about it? That's what we need to know. And that's what we're going to look at. What did God say about it? And see, to God, healing is very important to him because it's important to us. But it is such a small thing to God. It's so easy. Why? Because it's already done. The issue is not with God and not with his character and nature. The issue is, do we know about it in our head and in our heart? That's the issue. But see, he's saying, I care about you on this level. But see, when people can't receive healing, then all of a sudden they start to think, well, God's holding other things back too. David said, I, you know, as long as I live, I have never seen the righteous forsaken. It also says this, that he is not withholding any good thing. Well, that blows that whole doctrine out of the water. He's not, he's not withholding any good thing. That's his heart. That's his character. That's his nature. So if that's the case, I mean, we could just end the series right on that. He's not withholding any good thing. Healing is a good thing. Uh, Acts 10, 38 says how Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth and he went about doing good. He anointed him with the Holy Ghost and power and Jesus went about doing what? Good. And healing all who were oppressed of the devil. In other words, he equated the Holy Spirit by inspiration in that scripture. Equated good with healing. Good equals healed. Healed equals good. And so it says that he's not withholding any good thing. He also showed that healing was a beatdown of the devil. And any oppression that the devil was bringing. He healed all who were oppressed by the devil. See, for you to say that it's God is to equate the devil and God if, he's, if God's the one putting sickness on you. That's not the way it works. And that's what the devil wants though. Because he wants you thinking about God the way that you think about the devil. He wants good to be bad and bad to be good. He wants you to think about the devil like he does. Look, look at it. What does the world think about hell? Does the world really think that hell is going to be a place of damnation and torture? What do they think it's going to be? A party. Good, evil, evil, good. It's not a party. I promise you. It is not a party. And it's real. And it's not something that you get saved out of at some point. 
You know why? Because it says he will cast you into everlasting darkness. That Once he spoke that, it can't be changed. But he never designed it for people. It was designed for rebellious angels. So the Lord went in and he said, look, I'm going to save you from this. I'm going to save you. I'm going to give my own son to give his life so you never have to go here. And see how prideful is it for people to think that God's bad when actually what he did was gave you the most treasured and precious thing that he has. So that you, a rebellious person, don't have to go to a place uh, where you reap a rebellious harvest. What a loving God. What a loving God. How do we know whether it's God's will to heal us or not? It makes little difference what others say about it. What did God say about it? Remember that God is no respecter of persons and he never changes. He never changes. So what he said to them yesterday, he is saying to you today, God's word is speaking to me. What he said to people in his word is the same thing he's speaking to you today. See, what happens is a lot of times we have condemnation come up and say, well, uh, he would heal me, but I was bad. That's why there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And what that is, is, is a lack of revelation of what Jesus has actually freed you from. It doesn't mean that we keep on getting to go do bad. It just means that even when we find ourselves having messed up, the Lord, if we will simply confess it, none of that is held to our account. You're immediately free and you can receive every blessing that God has for you. Every single one of them. His word is speaking to me today. Remember the guy that said, if you will heal me and Jesus said, if I will, I will. In other words, what was the guy's problem? It wasn't that he didn't think Jesus had the power to do it. It's that he thought he wouldn't do it for him now. A lot of people believe that God will heal them, but maybe he won't do it now. Or maybe he would heal other people, but he won't heal me. And so that's where the will of God is not known for them personally. So they're not producing any faith towards his character and his nature. These statements that we're about to read are taken directly from the Bible with little or no variation. The verbs and construction have been changed to apply to you personally and to sum up the thoughts in some instances. Also, many of these statements are prefaced by phrases like, if you walk in my commandments, if you believe, if you obey. And now what's important is we're going to be looking at these scriptures and all of these have references. If you go to the link there at the boomerangchurch.org slash notes or bclife.org slash notes, you can pull up every one of these, refer back to them and go look at them for yourself. But here's what I want you to see. Forget about for a second what you've heard about God being a healer. Forget about what you've heard preached about God being a healer. Forget about what you've thought about God being a healer. And let's just let God talk for himself. Let's see what God says. And then what I want you to think about on this Father's Day is, if he cares about me like this, how much more? If he'd clothed the lilies of the field... As beautiful as he did, how much more does he want to clothe you with his love, with his healing, with his provision? So let's look at it. 101 things God said about his desire to heal you. 
the Old Testament. God said, Exodus 15, 26, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Genesis 6, 3, your days shall be 120 years. That's a long life. That's a long life. Genesis 15, 15. You shall be buried in a good old age. There's promises of God now. You shall be buried in a good old age. How many people, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many people have already questioned that you might not even see 70 before? You might not see 80, 90, 100. That, that's all parts and thoughts of the curse, not of what God said. Because he said your days will be 120. You will, you will live a good old age. You shall come to your grave in a full age. Like a shock of corn cometh into his season. Job 5.26. Exodus 12.13. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you or destroy you. Don't we have some blood applied to the doorpost of our life today in Jesus Christ? That blood is eternal. It's never removed. He is today the same Passover lamb that saved the, the uh, Egyptians that listened and the Israelites. You have a greater Passover lamb in Jesus, but just like it passed over them, the plagues and the destruction will pass over you. Exodus 23, 25 and 26. I will take sickness away from the midst of you and the number of your days you will I will fulfill. I will not put any of the diseases you are afraid of on you, but I will take all sickness away from you. Deuteronomy 7, 15. I see right here already, have we already given more than two or three witnesses about long life and health that God wants you to have? Yep. And we're just, we've just been through seven scriptures. Deuteronomy 11, 9, 21. This is what I want you to get today. The number of scriptures that God is a healer, which means the number of scriptures that God cares about you and loves you in every detail of your life, they are overwhelming. Receive the overwhelming. Receive it. Deuteronomy 11, 9 and 21. It will be well with you and your days shall be multiplied and prolonged as the days of heaven upon the earth. Nehemiah uh, 13, 2 and Deuteronomy 20, uh, 23, 5 combined. I turned the curse into a blessing unto you because I loved you. Deuteronomy 28.61, Galatians 3.13. I have redeemed you from every sickness and every plague. Deuteronomy 33.25. As your days, so shall your strength be. In other words, his days, your days are supposed to be very, very long and so is your strength. In other words, your health. Job 33, 24 and 25. I have found a ransom for you. Your flesh shall be great, fresher than a child's and you shall return to the days of your youth. Amen. In other words, you should have the skin like a child. Anybody have, have anything? You know, don't raise your hand. Anybody have anything attacking uh, your skin in any form, in any fashion? You can take that verse and say, that's my verse. I received fresh skin just like when I was a kid. Yeah. 
Freshness. Just like when I was a kid. I have healed you and brought you brought up your soul from the grave. I have kept you alive from going down into the pit. Psalm 31 and 2. Psalms 29 11. I will give you strength and bless you with peace. Psalms 41 2. I will preserve you and keep you alive. The Lord just said, I will keep you. I will keep you. I will keep you. This is a promise from God. I will keep you. Psalm 41.3, I will strengthen you upon the bed of languishing. I will turn all your bed in your sickness. In other words, he will turn you from the bed of sickness into a bed of life. That's what that's saying. Amen. Psalm 43.5, I am the health of your countenance and your God. Psalm 91.10, no plague shall come near your dwelling. Now, I'm not an English major, but I'm pretty sure that no leaves very little room for anything to come in. And matter of fact, I think it's zero room for anything to come in. No plague. I, you know, people, I don't think that people sometimes, I know I haven't before, have actually realized the absolute nature of some of these promises where God says, no plague. And so what happens is... A plague tries to come in their house sneaking up like a thief. And they're like, oh, well, I must have, I must have sickness. But see, if they know this scripture, they would, they would go, you know, the thief would come up. Uh, uh, I need uh, some, come, come be the thief, bringing sickness and plague. I was not going to call you because I've used you in a bad light before, but you were good a while ago. So, be, all right. So all of a sudden we're going through life and a sickness and plague uh, tries to come up and bring it. And all of a sudden, see, if we don't know the promises of God and that sickness and plague tries to come up and get on us, then all of a sudden we'll be like, oh, I must be getting sick. <sighs> take, take my temperature. Where's the thermometer at? I'm going to just take some aspirin right now just in case. Y'all never done that. I know y'all are holy. But see, somebody who knows who they are in Christ and they know the character and nature of God, they're going to be like this. They're walking through life and all of a sudden sickness and plague come up and try to get them and be like, oh, no, you didn't. Uh-uh, get on back here. Uh-uh, no plague, none, none. No, you're not even going to try that. You're not even going to begin. No, God said no. And I agree with him. No, no, no. Thank you. No. See, and what it happens is we don't stand up for what God's told us. And many times we don't stand up for what God's told us because we don't know what he said. No plague. No sickness. No disease. None. None. That's why and I told you a few, uh, I don't know, it's been a while now. I want to say a few months, probably been a few years. I said, the Lord got across to me. He said, no, when that sickness tries to come in your body, that thing is illegal. It's completely 100% illegal. Has no right to be there. Why? Because he said no plague. None. This is not a preacher saying that. This is not a man with corruption. This is God Almighty saying no. Zero plague will come near your dwelling. 
So then if we are in charge by our own authority of our house, our body, and our household, and a plague tries to sneak in and steal our health, and we let that thing happen, then whose fault it is? It's not God. It's we don't know what he said, and we don't know our authority to say no. But if we will learn that, everything starts changing right then. No! And you need to get some, some grit inside of you for the things that the devil's trying to perpetrate in your life. Amen. Stop letting it just sneak in and be a reality and start getting, oh, I can't say what I was about to say. Start getting some grit. Get some grit. Stand up to it. You got to see the devil as a bully. It's only one way to deal with a bully. You bring back a power that's bigger than his. You might have a bat. I got a bigger bat. You might be trying to perpetrate sickness. I got the blood. And you can't beat the blood. You might be trying to bring in some lack in my health. I got the name. And just, just to make you feel like a low life... You must bow to the name. So bow, devil, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You want to keep trying this garbage? All you do is make me stronger. All you do is push me to, be, to walk more of the no in your face. No. No. It's illegal. It's wrong. It's not right. And we've been allowing it. And we can't do that. Because the world needs some people that will stand up to the devil and they know how to do it. And, but here's the thing. A lot of people, uh, they're, not, they're trying to resist the devil. You know, Oh, now devil, get on out of here. <laughs> well, good luck with that. <laughs> not only that, but listen. Here's what it is. You know, we're all walking through. Uh, we've all had this period of time, I believe. We're walking through life. And it's like, oh... Man, I really shouldn't do that, but you know, I deserve. I've been been. I've been good for a few months now. I'm going to do this thing, this sin that I shouldn't do, even though it's little. I know it won't affect me. And then the devil, he's like, "Oh, did y'all see that? Yo, demons, did y'all see that? They just messed up. Now he's got a sin consciousness. Throw some sickness on him. And then all of a sudden, sickness comes in, and then you try to say no, and the devil says, "No, what?" Because all of a sudden your faith is completely diminished because your conscience has moved. And when it says resist the devil, both those passages in James and Peter, both right before it says resist the devil, it says submit yourself to God. And so when we don't live a life submitted to God, we keep walking in sin, doing things we shouldn't. And then we're like, no devil. The devil's like, whatever. (laughs) You don't know the Bible. And you don't want it when the devil starts telling you you don't know the Bible. Oh, you think you're supposed to resist me, but you don't know you're supposed to submit to God first. It don't work unless you submit. Say no all you want to. Anyway, I'm going to get back to my list. No plague shall come near your dwelling, Psalms 91.10. Psalm 91, 16, I will satisfy you with long life. I will satisfy you with long life. I will satisfy you 
You can have a satisfied life at the promise and the word of God Almighty. Now, here's the thing. Is this true or is this just a pipe dream? It's true. I will satisfy you with long life. In other words, you won't just be satisfied for the first 20 or 30 or 40 years. You'll be satisfied for the full 120. Amen. Every bit of it satisfied. Long life. Psalm 103.3, I heal all your diseases. What? I heal all your diseases? Psalm 107.20, I sent my word and healed you and delivered you from your destructions. Delivered you from all of... You know, he didn't put in there some. He said, I sent my word and healed. Is this already done? Has he already sent his word? Then the healing has already taken place. He's already sent his word. He's already sent Jesus. The healing's already done. Psalm 118.17, you shall not die but live and declare my works. Psalm 147.3, I heal your broken heart and bind up your wounds. Proverbs 4.10, the years of your life shall be many. Proverbs 3.8, trusting me brings help to your navel and marrow to your bones. How important is the marrow in the life? Is it very important? It huh? It creates blood cells. It creates blood cells. And as the blood goes, the body goes. The marrow is so important. And God is a healer even to that level. Proverbs 4.22. My words are life to you and health and medicine to all your flesh. Proverbs 15.30. My good report makes your bones fat. Hey, Proverbs 4.22 where it said that my words are life to you and health and medicine to all your flesh, right? Here's, here's what it is. If a lot of people are not walking in the health because they're not eating the word. They're not putting the word in their ears and in their eyes. They're not constantly doing that. And so they become very weak. This is, this is how we eat as a spirit. And when we are healthy as a spirit, it, it turns around health in our body. We need to put our eyes on the word. We need to get in the word. Uh, let me just tell you this little thing that, that I just found out. Uh, most of you uh, have the YouVersion app on your phone, right? Well, if you have uh, like the Amazon Alexa thing, they have an app for that. It'll literally, you can do a Bible plan. It'll read to you all the way through there. So we turn the volume down on low and I'm, we're going through the New Testament in 10 days. It takes like three hours a night. And while we're sleeping, the word's just going in. Man, technology's made it so easy to go after God. I mean, it's easy today. If all you got to do is want it. He just got a desire. We're just putting the word in. I'm telling you, I've slept better. Why? Because the word is powerful. He sent his word and healed you. His word delivers you from all sickness. I can just have, you know, I might be asleep, but my spirit is alive. My spirit's receiving the word preached to me all night. All night. And, you know, these are the kind of things that the Lord will show you what to do. And all of a sudden, just that word going in, that word going in, that word going in. That word. Now, that doesn't take place of me getting in the word when I'm awake. But it doesn't hurt anything either. Just put the word in. He sent his word and healed him. I'm receiving healing even while I sleep. 
He says it in, in uh, Proverbs, or excuse me, Psalm 127, 1 and 2. He says, He gives to His beloved even in their sleep. Or He gives his beloved, to His beloved even while they sleep. He gives them good sleep, it says. Good sleep. Yeah. Well, you have a right to believe God for that. If anybody's having trouble sleeping or been having trouble sleeping, you know, just go to Psalm 127 and read that. And start believing God to sleep well that he will give to you even while you sleep. He says here, Psalm 118, 17. You shall not die, but, but live and declare my work. Psalm 147, 3. I heal your broken heart and bind up your wounds. Proverbs 4, 10. The years of your life shall be many. Uh, Proverbs 3.8, trusting me brings health to your navel and marrow to your bones. I know I, I backed up too far, but Proverbs 4.22, my words are life to you and health and medicine to all your flesh. Proverbs 15.30, my good report makes your bones fat. Proverbs 16.24, my pleasant words are sweet to your soul and health to your bones. Nehemiah 8.10 uh, Proverbs 17.22, my joy is your strength. A merry heart does good like a medicine. <clears throat> Isaiah 32.3 and 35.5, the eyes of the blind shall be opened. This is a promise. They shall be opened. The eyes of them that sh uh, see shall not be dim. All right. When you're out praying uh, for somebody and they're having a hard time seeing... Right? You need, to be, you need to know these verses. Listen to it. The eyes of the blind shall be open. You can stand on that. You can stand on it. They shall be open. They shall not be dim. Isaiah 32, 3 and 35, 5. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. The ears of them uh, that hear shall hearken. Isaiah 35, 6, 32, 4. The tongue... Tongue of the dumb shall sing. The tongue of the stammerers shall be ready to speak plainly. Amen. Isaiah 35, 6. The lame man shall leap as a heart. Remember uh, the man uh, that was there that was late, uh, lame in his ankles? It says he went about leaping and shouting and praising God. He couldn't do that before. This is, this is in church. He was doing that in church, y'all. Leaping and shouting and praising God, right? That was in church. Wasn't out of order. It was in church. Leaping and shouting and praising God. Yeah, you can leap and shout sometimes. It's okay. You got biblical reason for it. It's all right. Amen. Leaping and shouting and praising God. Isaiah 38, 16 and 20. I will recover you and make you to live. I am ready to save you. Isaiah 40, 29. I give power to the faint. I increase strength to them that have no might. Isaiah 40, 31, 41, 10. I will renew your strength. I will strengthen and help you. Isaiah 46, 4. To your old age and gray hairs, I will carry you and I will deliver you. Isaiah 53, 4. I bore your sicknesses. Isaiah 53, 4. I carried your pains. Isaiah 53, 10. I was put to sickness for you. Isaiah 53, 5. With my stripes you are healed. Isaiah 57, 19. I will heal you. Isaiah 58, 8. Your light shall break forth as the morning and your health shall spring forth speedily. <clears throat> Jeremiah 30, 17. 
I will restore health unto you and I will heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. Jeremiah 33, 6. Behold, I will bring it health and cure and I will cure you and will reveal unto you the abundance of peace and truth. Ezekiel 34, 16. I will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. Ezekiel 37, 5 and 14. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I sh and I shall put my spirit in you and you shall live. Ezekiel 47, 9. Whither, whithersoever the river shall come, shall live. They shall be healed and everything shall live where, at, where the river comes. Amos 5, 4 and 6. Seek me and you shall live. Malachi 4, 2. I have arisen with healing in my wings. This is who God is. That's just the Old Testament. You know, the one where everybody thinks God was mean. <laughs> That's the Old Testament. Now look at the New Testament where he, he let Jesus loose. Glory to God. Matthew 8, 3. This is what we were talking about. I will be thou clean. Matthew 8, 17. I took your infirmities. I bore your sicknesses. Matthew 9, 12. Exodus 15, 26. If you're sick, you need a physician. I am the Lord, your physician. Matthew 14, 14, I am moved with compassion towards the sick and I heal them. Matthew 4, 23, I heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith. In other words, if I'll get my faith on the things of God, I can have it. I can have it. If I'll get my faith, I can have it. Amen. It says, Matthew 10, 1, Luke 9, 1. I give you power and authority over all unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. All, 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 all. No plague, no sickness, all healing. All disease will be healed. All, all, all. God's absolute about this thing. Amen. Look at this, uh, Matthew 12, 15, Hebrews 13, 8. I heal them all, all. See, God doesn't leave, you know, if in the healing series, you remember one day I lined up like 10 men and, and all of a sudden, you know, because people say, well, he heals some. Well, which ones does he heal? Well, when you look at scripture, he heals them all. All, 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 all. The only ones he couldn't heal are the ones who didn't know him. They saw him as the carpenter's son, not as the savior. They saw him as the guy they knew down the street, not as the Messiah. That's the only ones. Besides that, he healed them all. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Matthew 14, 36. As many as touch me are made perfectly whole. As many as touch me. Now, let me show you something. <laughs> you remember? Uh, let, me, let me get the front row up here real quick. The whole front row. Make a crowd. Just make a circle. All close together right there. You stay here. Y'all go. All right. In the story of the lady with the issue of blood, there was a whole bunch of people. 
a whole bunch of people crowding around Jesus. All of them touched him physically. But one of them touched with faith. One came up and touched Jesus in a different way. Lord, I know who you are. She was saying to herself, if I but may touch his clothes, I will be healed. Everybody was touching, but one touched with faith. And then that one person, Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples were like, Jesus, have you lost your mind? Like, there's all these people touching you. He's like, no, somebody touched me different. Somebody drew. There was power that went out because somebody reached out and touched with faith. Let me put it this way. Lots of people go to church. Lots of people get up on Sunday morning, get dressed, and think that they're serving God. They're hanging around Jesus. But generally, only a few have actually touched him with their heart of faith. And the ones who touched him, now go back and read that scripture. Thank you, guys. Now when you go back and look at that scripture, it says this. As many as touch me are made perfectly whole. As many as touch me. So some touch in one way, some touch in faith. There's lots of people that are physically touching Jesus or going to church, but there's a few that will touch him with their faith. So what he's saying here is not everybody who comes to church or everybody who prays a prayer. He's saying somebody who touches me with their faith. That's what the difference was. And notice it wasn't just, the, it was the one lady who got healed. Notice it was only one that caused Jesus to stop and say, who touched me? One caused him to stop. As many as touched me are made perfectly whole. Right? Matthew fifteen twenty six. Healing is the children's bread. Mark 7, 37, I do all things well. I make the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Mark 9, 23 and 11, 23 and 24. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Mark 16, 18, when hands are laid on you, you shall recover. Luke 4, 18, Isaiah 10, 27, Isaiah 61, 1. My anointing heals the brokenhearted, delivers the captives, recovers sight to the blind, sets at liberty those that are bruised. Luke 9, 11, I heal all who have need of healing. Luke 9, 56, I'm not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Luke 10, 19, behold, I give you authority over all the enemy's power and nothing, 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 nothing shall by any means hurt you. Uh, Luke 13, 16, 2 Corinthians 6, 2, sickness is satanic bondage and you ought to be loosed today. John 1, 4, in me is life and you are in Christ. If you know Jesus, you are in life itself. You are in healing itself. That's who you are. John 6, 33 and 35, I am the bread of life. I'll give you life. John 6, 63, the words I speak unto you are spirit and life. John 10, 10, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly, not just a little abundantly. John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. 
John 14, 14. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. See, people read that and so they just start asking. And what they do is they touch him physically, but they don't really touch him with their faith. There's a difference in prayers. There's a difference in a heart faith. And that's what people have done. They say, well, well, I'm asking. But they're not asking the way that they should because they haven't been taught better. There's a difference there. Just like the people that crowded around Jesus. But one lady actually touched the hem of his garment. Didn't even touch him. Just touched the hem of his garment. Just touched him. Acts 3.16, faith in my name makes you strong and gives you perfect soundness. Acts 4.30, I stretch forth my hand to heal. Acts 9.34, I, Jesus Christ, make you whole. Acts 10.38, I do good and heal all that are oppressed of the devil. Acts 19.12, my power causes diseases to depart from you. Romans 8.2, the law of the spirit of life in me has made you free from the law of sin and death. You see, sickness is just a part of the law of, the, of death. That's it, of sin and death. It's just a part of it. When uh, Jesus deals with that and you give him the right to deal with sin and death in your life, all of a sudden you have no part with that anymore. That means you have no part with sickness anymore unless you allow it. Because we walk in our authority. Romans 8.11, the same spirit that raised me from the dead, Jesus said, uh, lives in you, now lives in you. And that spirit will quicken your mortal body. 1 Corinthians 6.15, your body is a member of me. Glory to God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Your body is the temple of my spirit and you're to glorify me in your body. 1 Corinthians 11, 29 and 31. If you will rightly discern my body, which was broken for you, and judge yourself, you'll not be judged and you'll not be weak, sickly, or die prematurely. 1 Corinthians 12, 9. I have set gifts of healing in my body. 2 Corinthians 4, 10 and 11. My life may be made manifest in your mortal flesh. Let me just show you something. <laughs> This is what the church has turned Jesus into. Not our church. Amen. Amen. But I want to show you something. Okay. Take uh, Justin and David here. Today's call people up day. All right. Amen. This is what they've said. I've heard people say it like this and, and preach it like this. All right. I'm going to put sickness on this guy. God is. To teach him something or I'm not going to heal him. Now sick. Now I'm going to give this guy a gift to heal that sickness. Now you, you go heal that sickness and show people how powerful I am. In other words, I'm going to give him a gift of healing to, to take away what I put on him. That's a con man. That's a con I'm going to cause a problem. Then I'm, That's what the devil does. Not God. So the moment he says I'm going to give gifts to heal. He can't give sickness here or else he's a con man. It's not possible. But he gives those gifts of healing. Because that's who he is. And then he handles the problem that the devil is putting on people. Conning people that he's not really there. That it's all God's fault. That's why God gives a gift to heal. God is not a con. Thank you.
God's not a con. And see, when we don't see God as a healer, that's what we turn him into. He's not a con. As you get preachers that are, that are talking against healing and, and today, ooh, you want to get Pastor Brian mad. <laughs> you are talking about my God, my Savior who gave his life for me, and you're making him to be a con man? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and, and look, you need to get it inside of you that way. Because when you get it inside of you that way, it works. But while it's still a question, it doesn't work all the time. But when you start getting it inside of you like that, all of a sudden things change. I heard somebody, I forget who it was. Oh, I know it was uh, Bishop David Oyedepa over in Nigeria. You know, small church. And... Um, <laughs> He only, he only runs about 400,000, over 400,000 on Sunday morning, you know, so he, he might not know what he's talking about. But um, anyway, that's a joke. Um, he said, I was rude to people. Say, oh, you're going to get sick and die. He's like, you don't know who you're talking about. He said, I was probably too rude in some instances. But the reason he got rude with people, and you have to watch that. The Bible tells us to have a gentle spirit for the Lord is near. So you have to watch doing that out of a, a fleshly mind. But when you know that you know, and then you got a minister that's trying to tell you that God's a con man, that he's a child abuser putting sickness on people, and then he gives people the gifts to, to do some kind of con in the middle of a service. And you got a minister who's supposed to be, that's going to be judged at a higher level. This is the kind of people that Jesus got in front of and said, you a wicked and adulterous generation. This is the kind of people that, God, that Jesus got in front of and said, you are whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. He wasn't mixing, you know, he wasn't mincing words. So there's a place where this rises up inside of you. And all of a sudden, what happens is you have a conviction in your heart. My God is a healer. My God loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. When you get it to that place of conviction, you start praying. You start touching Jesus the way you should. You start touching him with a heart of faith. But if you don't know him like that, you can pray all day long and nothing's going to happen. And you think you're in faith, but you're not. And that's where a lot of people blame. They start trying to come up with doctrine because they don't know him like that. They don't have the conviction of how much he loves them and how much he wants to heal them. That my God is a healer. Faith begins where the will of God is known. They don't know him like that. And so then they pray and then when it doesn't happen, they blame God for it. No, you're the one who missed the absolutes, not God. If there's a weak link in this whole equation, it's not the Father, it's me. If there's a weak link, it's me. God's arm is not shortened that he can't heal. If there's a weak... All right, so all I did when I started praying and didn't see the results, I just got more hungry. 
more humble. I'm more messed up than I thought I was. Thank you, Lord, for letting me see it instead of blaming God for it. See, and that's where people start forming an experiential doctrine because they had an experience. And so now I'm going to form a doctrine around not knowing that there was a ton more variables going on than what they could see with their eyes. And then they come up with some doctrine and then they start to attack the character of a loving father. Turn him into a con man and turn him into a child abuser. And start saying that he's not true because he changes. Well, he healed back when Jesus was on the earth, but he doesn't heal today. Change it. You're, now you're saying that God's a liar because he says, I'm God, I change not. I'm the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now you're, you're calling God a liar. It ain't right. That bunch of garbage you showed me that some, and you didn't write it, but just they didn't do it. Amen. Look, didn't didn't want people. Yes. Look, that's a bunch of garbage. A bunch of garbage. From a minister yes. who's supposed to be walking in childlike faith. Mm. Like I said. First Corinthians uh, number 86 there. First Corinthians 12, 9. I've set gifts of healing in my body. Second Corinthians 4, 10 and 11. My life may be made manifest in your mortal flesh. Second Corinthians 1, 11, I have delivered you from death. I do deliver you and if you trust me, I will yet deliver you. Ephesians 1, 21 and 22. I have given you my name. And have put all things under your feet. Ephesians 6, 3. I want it to be well with you. And I want you to live long on the earth. Colossians 1, 13. I will, <clears throat> he says, I have delivered you from the authority of darkness. For 2 Timothy 4, 18. I will deliver you from every evil work. Hebrews 2, 9, 14 and 15. I have tasted death for you. I have destroyed the devil who had the power of death. I've delivered you from the fear of death and bondage. Hebrews 10, 22 and Ephesians 5, 26. I wash your body with pure water, pure water. Hebrews 12, 12 and 13. Lift up the weak hands and the feeble knees. Don't let that which is lame be turned aside, but rather let me heal it. James 5, 14 and 15. Let the elders anoint you and pray for you in my name and I will raise you up. James 5, 16. Pray for one another and I will heal you. Pray for one another and I will heal you. Pray for one another and I will heal you. 1 Peter 2, 24. By my stripes you were healed. By my stripes you were healed. 2 Peter 1.3, my divine power has given unto you all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of me. He's already given us everything that pertains unto life. He's already given us everything that pertains unto life. He's already given us everything that pertains unto life. He's already given us everything that pertains unto life. It's not a giving problem, it's a receiving problem. Revelation twenty two, seventeen. Whosoever will let him come and take the water of life freely. Third John two, number one oh one. Beloved, I wish above all things 
that you may prosper and be in health. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. God is a healer and he loves you. Healing is simply a manifestation of a father's love for you. That's all it is.